0: Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Now available on YouTube when you head to youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. That's youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. This week I sit down with my friend and quite possibly yours too, Tyler Morgan. He's here and we get his story next. You know, the great thing about the At The Mic Show sponsor APR Coffee is how they honor so many great Americans in history, like the incomparable Thomas Paine. I love how awesome the team is over there at APR Coffee and how they describe the Thomas Paine blend. Listen to this. Sometimes more than a little of a good thing quickly becomes too much. So for those of you who wish to abandon common sense, we offer a Thomas Paine Remix The age of reason, (laughs) so great! I love that American Pride Roasters Coffee is a collection of history nerds like me. And uh, speaking of which, oh, I have to throw this fun fact in there. Did you know that Thomas Paine's body is still missing to this day? They have no idea where it is, nobody knows. (laughs) It's kind of a long story, but you should go look it up. And when you're on the internet and you're looking up that story, also, look up this memorable blend from APRCoffee.com. dot com. It features a hundred percent dark roasted robusta beans, and like its namesake, uh, Dave Matthews at Apr Coffee feels that this uh, Age of Reason blend, in honor of Thomas Paine, is too strong and borders on dangerous if you want a wildly strong cup and you don't fear losing your soul click the age of reason option at aprcoffee.com I love that Dave nice job uh, you don't forget to use promo code ATM at checkout that stands for at the mic ATM will get you 10% off when you use that promo code at aprcoffee.com
1: You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production.
0: Tyler Morgan loves animals, uh, which will become obvious in today's conversation. He has served our country in hostile environments, and today he has his own podcasts. Plural. We talk about all of that and so much more on this week's edition of At The Mic. Tyler, what is going on, man? How are you doing today? I am having an outstanding day. just beautiful
1: day here in the ozarks just wishing the rain would stop
0: Mm. the ozarks are a beautiful part of the country i love it there uh we get up to branson uh every few years it seems and i was uh, just there last weekend it was great yeah how close are you to branson there tyler it is about a two-hour drive from where i'm at okay very good very good but you were born in texas right
1: Yes, way back long ago and the mythical times, known as the 1980s. (laughs) Mythical. My dad was working as a roughneck, actually. Uh, My parents lived in Canadian, Texas, which is up in the panhandle. Yeah. My sister was born in Texas. I was born in Texas two years after that, so it's Mm kind
0: of... So what got you guys uh, to Missouri, where you are now? By the way, if people aren't familiar, I met you through being a... uh, listener of pat gray unleashed which is my day job and so you're a pat head um and we're going to talk about later how you have your own podcast uh, that people can check out every week but um how did you end up getting to missouri then which is where you are today
1: well uh my dad is born and raised here in missouri my mom was actually born in rapid city south dakota oh nice and when she was a little girl, they ended up moving down here. My dad, he was just following the work. Mm -hmm. So that's how him and my mom ended up down in Texas Mm -hmm. with my dad working oil derricks. And then when I was about one or so, they ended up moving back up here to Missouri. And so that's Kind of a Texas-born, Missouri-raised.
0: I gotcha, I gotcha. That's like my oldest daughter was born in Texas, but shortly thereafter, moved all over the country. Um, but she always had native Texan as part of her uh, pedigree. And it's just ironic that we ended up moving back to Texas 10 years ago. If everything
1: ever ends up going to hell in a handbasket, yeah. I fully intend to cash <laughs> in on my...
0: You know, native born Texan yeah, status there and you go. move back. <laughs> it may come to that. <laughs> I was I lived there for four years. Okay, so you grew up though with one brother and four sisters. I gotta know, uh having four sisters, how many bathrooms did you have in your house? Because that sounds like a nightmare right there. One. Oh no. I was afraid you were gonna say that too. Oh <laughs> well, no.
1: Okay, so it wasn't full time. Um my dad was married before he married my mom Uh-huh. and he had three kids in his first marriage and okay. they divorced. And then him and my mom got together and they've been together for, this will be 40 years coming up this all
0: right. year. Good for them.
1: During the summers, it got kind of crowded in the house.
0: So how far apart in age are you from your brother? Seven years. So my goodness. Oh yeah. I, I was, I was the tag along. I was the tag along. <laughs> are you the youngest then of all the kids?
1: I am not. I do have a younger sister who is three years younger than I am.
0: Okay, we've got to explore this earliest memory of yours. I don't envy it at all, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, helping butcher chickens. My uh, yes, goodness. Hey, first of all, before you start telling me about this early memory, have you ever heard of? Uh, I think I gotta I gotta look this up to make sure I've got this right. I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking. What chicken you're talking about? Uh, Mike the headless chicken. You heard of him? Ah. Uh, I have heard of him, yes. That poor thing. If people haven't heard of the story, he's got his own Wikipedia page and everything. This was in, uh, I think, Colorado, it looks like. Yeah. So the guy went to, the farmer went to pick the five and a half month old uh, chicken named Mike. And apparently, sorry kids, hide your kids. Maybe I should say that. (laughs) Hide the kids for this story. Removed Mike's head. But missed the jugular vein, leaving one ear and most of a brainstem, most of the brainstem intact. Due to Olson's failed attempt to behead Mike, the chicken was still able to balance on a perch and walk clumsily. He attempted to preen, peck for food. It's so sad, but he went on to live for uh, how long? Did you say about a year and a half? Like that? Yeah, I, I think it was a year and a half, and then <laughs>
1: because. He didn't have a head. He couldn't actually swallow. Yeah, they had to feed him with a uh, dropper, right? They Feed him with the dropper, and they had to keep its airway cleaned out, also with the dropper. And
0: Ugh. one night, he suffocated. That's so sad. But yeah, but before he did, they were able to uh, take him on uh, sideshow tours. <laughs> and they made some good money. Look at that. At the height of his popularity, the chicken's owner earned $4,500 per month, equivalent to over $50,000 today. A month. I wow. need a headless chicken that still walks around. You and me both. You and me both. All right, so how old were you when you uh, had to help with butchering chickens? Probably four or five. You you know the expression, run
1: around like a chicken with a head cut off?
0: <laughs> I do. I do. I was accused of doing that
1: many times as a child. Well, there's a reason why that euphemism exists, because... <laughs> they will go for a while without their head oh, until they just kind of fall over. I hate so, it. I hate that. Oh. Our jobs as little kids, we chased the chickens. You chased them around. The poor. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, kids! Uh, and, just you know, and we stay we, away. We help. We, we we help pluck. We
0: helped. We helped do everything. I uh-huh. mean, we we grew up on a farm. It's just you know farm life. All right. I'm grateful for people such as yourself. Who will do that for
1: me? It's it's not fun for everyone. Um, here a f- few years back, we had a friend who, they had a cow, and she would not breed. She had been with the bull, like, through three cycles. She would never get pregnant. So, as they said it, she was just sitting around, eating bonbons, getting fat. And it was too short notice to try to get her into a butcher. So, I helped with the slaughter and butchering process mm. it was a learning experience
0: that's it it was a learning experience any any other stories from the farm in that vein um my wife thinks this is
1: totally sick but oh no we had a we had a, we had a habit of naming the animals see that's the first mistake right it was never a mistake for us um, i remember when i was a kid you know on you know the same age that we were helping butcher the chickens we had a red pig. His name was Arnold. He was a great pig. He, he would never stay he would never stay in the pig pen. <laughs> he always slept with the dogs.
0: Oh nice, we, Arnold. We, What's we, up?
1: We had a hollowed out log full of straw. That's where my dad's rabbit rabbit hunting dogs all slept. And Arnold would get out of the pen, even as a little piglet, and he would go in and he would sleep with
0: those beagles. That's cute. Let's stop the story there. Yeah. I don't want to hear anymore. I think we're good.
1: Oh and it actually it actually got to the point where oh. he was actually too big to fit into the log, so he just lay with his head in it with the dogs. Aww. And I will not discuss how good the uh, bacon was that oh later came.
0: Gosh, why did I pursue this but- line of questioning?
1: <laughs> okay, so... I mean, it, like I said, you grow up on a farm, it's like, okay, we're going to call this deer Blaze because it has a big white streak on its face. It's, it's a Blaze, is what the marking is called. And it just kinda, it's just kind of... it's. Less that they become pets. It's just more it's, so you have something to call them to get them to come to you. And so you can identify them later on. So it's not like we're making pets out of them and then eating them. <laughs> it was very utilitarian.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on.
1: So, all right. Um <laughs> You drive a big truck, right? On occasion, after I got out of the Army, I spent a year driving over the road with uh, in a semi uh, doing flatbed, so I would haul steel, lumber, sheetrock, uh-huh. various and sundry loads of materials for Lowe's or Home Depot that they somehow managed to balance on the trailer, and then I get the unenviable job of, okay, how do I strap this down so it doesn't fall off the trailer and not oh, break wow. anything?
0: Wow. Have you ever lost a load that went flying? Never. Nice.
1: I still move trailers around. I have a little what we call a yard dog. Mm-hmm. It's just a little little one-seat cab with a uh, the fifth wheel on the back. You back under the nose of the trailer, you hook up to it, and it's hydraulic so you can oh, pick cool. the trailer up so you don't have to get out and roll the landing gear up on it and roll it back down and then you just pick it up, hook your airlines up and you just drive off with it. That's awesome. And oh, it's, it's a nice job because I just don't like being inside. I've gotten used to being outside. Yeah. So it's just like, it's like, eh, I, I can drive around. Of course, when it's raining or cold, that's no fun.
0: <laughs> I will say that I envy those of you who can drive these trucks because I have had, um, uh, let's put it this way. I've, I've moved quite a bit over the years and I've driven U-Hauls on multiple occasions and one time I cut it too close at a gas pump and I almost completely ripped a gas pump up uh, from the ground because I cut it so sharp and um, I never took on U-Haul truck driving duties uh, after that. Uh, After that it was uh, everywhere we moved. And there was multiple moves after that. Um, Carrie did the exclusive driving of said U-Haul. So I, um, and every time I see a, a truck make a turn, I just marvel at uh, y'all's ability. So um, anyway, so kudos to you. But what this job does allow you to do is listen to talk radio and podcasts and stuff like that, right?
1: Oh yeah. Um, I think the first seven hours of my day is uh, various talk radio shows. And <laughs> wow. then once, then once the shows are over that I want to listen to, then I can go, you know, I can catch up on, listen to podcasts. Uh, here lately I've been doing audio books a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so helpful. Lots of good audiobooks. Uh, my daughter's boyfriend was actually like, oh, Mr. Morgan's birthday's coming up. I don't know what to get him. Like, get me
0: an audible gift card. We'll be good. Nice. Nice. Very good. And You actually are a podcaster yourself. Tell us about your show. And uh, by the way, before you do, I will say, I was a guest for an episode uh, of your podcast one time. It was probably the greatest podcast that will never be heard. As the audio was lost in a tragic accident uh, afterwards. Yes.
1: <laughs> my, my poor computer decided that it was going to crash oh, before dude. I could
0: save anything. I am so sorry. Which, uh, it hurts so yeah. bad. Yeah. So tell us about your uh, podcast and, and so what all you do with that. I am the host of the aptly name, The Tyler Morgan Show. A lot of the times, the
1: stories I look at, Stories that don't get covered in, you know, major news, uh, or even major talk radio shows. So stories are just out there and no one really notices until like a couple weeks later I was like, Hey, did you see this? I'm like, right. Yeah. I, I talked about it. Here's the episode. <laughs> I've had some good guests on there. Um, Yeah, you have. Uh, John Ziegler, who was really big on the Penn State scandal. Yes, he he was on my show to to, uh, talk about his podcast. Andrew Heaton, who's been on your show. Uh He says legally he is my uh, co-host now because he's been on the show three times. Oh, wow. It's a good thing I don't make any money because then I would have to send him a check. I have too many bills keeping this thing floating. Yeah. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I challenge anyone who does not yet have a podcast, if you want to start one go ahead, do it. Just keep in mind, keep in mind, if you're not, if you're wanting to do a podcast to make money, hang your boots up now, walk away. (laughs) Cause if you do not have a giant, highly recognizable name or are attached to a large business such as, you know, iHeart or Spotify or something like that, you're not going to make money.
0: Yeah, you got to do it uh, just for the <laughs> just for the fun of it, for sure. Um, oh yeah. So where can people find your podcast? How often do you put that out?
1: I do my show weekly, or almost weekly, because <laughs> there's there's well there there's Saturdays where stuff comes up or say like, ah, I'm not going to do show tonight uh, or because usually mine is a live stream that you can find at Podbean.com, and so I'll do the I'll do the live stream and then after that I do all the. You know, final edits, and then I put out podcasts. podcast.
0: That's the thing with uh, aspiring podcasters, which I don't know that there are uh, people who are considering doing a podcast since everyone has one. Uh, It's that it's the post stuff, you know? It's like this conversation you and I are having – that's totally fun. I enjoy doing this. I mean, to sit down for about an hour or so and I have a conversation with someone, I can handle that easily. It's all the labor-intensive stuff after the fact with editing this thing together, putting in the music, commercials, stuff like that, getting it posted on a hosting site, getting an image of you, which you will have to send me, by the way. Uh, It's just all of that technical stuff that you have to worry about later. I just want to sit down and talk to people and let somebody else do all that work, you know? Right. And, and
1: when I started doing this three years ago, my technical experience with recording audio and editing audio was zero. Yeah. I've been learning as I go, you know, those first 30 minute episodes that felt like it took two hours just to record because Mm I would overthink what I'm trying to say, and I'm horrible at writing script for myself. Okay. Like, the the like the like guys who work with you who write ad copy and can write that copy to meet the you know, whoever's reading it, mm-hmm. whether it be Glenn Beck, whether it be Pat Gray, whoever they're writing it for. Yeah. They can write in their speaking style. I envy those guys. I can't even write in my speaking style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... So I would just put so much effort into it and then you know, and then as as I've gone along I've gotten to step up my equipment. I've you know, went from a little I say little is a a fairly expensive USB mic that's you know, super tinny sounding and it just picks up everything around you mm. to you know, went from that to an analog condenser mic that you know, ran through a board that the board was kind of buzzy. And again, it's a condenser mic. It gets everything around you. I know I'm speaking, you know, inside baseball for recording and now I've got a nice dynamic microphone. I can get right up on it and I can just actually make my voice do what I want to do. And it sounds amazing. Right. And so I'm just, you know, so just getting to grow in all this. And also there's another podcast. I would be remiss if I didn't mention it's called the whiskey pod. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and just like the Tyler Morgan Show, you can get it wherever you get podcasts or You both, both of them are hosted there. Uh, you can find all the back episodes. And what I love about the Whiskey Pod is that it's my break from politics. Yeah. Um, as I look around my desk right now, I see a bottle of Legion, a jar of moonshine, <laughs> a jar of moonshine pickles, a bottle of Woodford Reserve, some uh, old smoky. Uh, salty caramel Tennessee whiskey. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how far of a drive mm-hmm. is
0: it from Dallas to where you're at up there in Missouri? If you hoof it, you can make it in about seven hours. All right. <laughs> Just filing that away. I know that on your regular consistent podcast, you often talk about military related issues and you did oh, yeah. serve. Um, tell us about your military background and uh, where all it took you. Yeah, it feels like so long ago.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, two, 2001, 17 years old, recruiter literally drove to my house so my parents could sign the waivers because I w- wasn't 18. Oh, my. Yeah, but it, it was something I wanted to do. I grew up, my dad was in the National Guard. He had all these trips to Panama, Honduras, Costa Rica, doing uh, humanitarian trips. Huh. And then my dad's also a Vietnam veteran, you know, mm, 1970. He dodged the draft. He enlisted. So my dad's just been very influential on you know, what I do with my military career. So 80 days exactly before 9-11 is when I went and I, I took my oath of enlistment. Mm. So then in 2002, I do basic and AIT at Fort Leonard Wood. I did what people in my area call the I-44 shuffle. <laughs> I went I-44 up to St. Louis because that's where the MEPS station, Military Entrance Processing Station, uh, the federal building up there in St. Louis, from there, I took the metro rail to the airport, got on a bus, and came right back down forty-four and ended up a half hour from home.
0: Wow. Look at you. And you never left mm-hmm. the state. Join the Army to see the world. I end up in the next
1: county over. <laughs> yeah, 2002, based in AIT, uh, I originally enlisted as a heavy equipment repairer. So dozers, scrapers, loaders, stuff like that, getting your hands dirty mm-hmm. and
0: Now, had you, because my brain, I envy people and I respect them so much. The people who can fix cars and and fix my truck and all that good stuff. Because I, my brain, I've never, I've never been taught. I've never wanted to learn. But I don't think that my brain can comprehend uh, that kind of, um, that kind of task, honestly. And that's why I adore my son so much is just that his brain is just the opposite of mine. And so he's got these gifts that I will never possess. So had you, when you enlisted, had you already had a background with repairing uh, mechanical things? Or did you learn from scratch when you got in?
1: Uh, I had a little bit of background. Um, I would help my dad do repairs on vehicles around the house, Uh uh, tractors, stuff like that. Really, when I was wanting to enlist, I was actually wanting to enlist as a welder. Hmm. My senior year in high school, I spent the majority of my senior year in the VoTech class. The majority of my senior year was spent doing all VoTech stuff. So I'm learning to weld. I actually graduated from high school with a certification for stick welding. What's that? Yeah, you know, they give you a a, a test setup where that you take your you set up your welder with the stick on it, and you just fill in a bead until you fill in the weld area and then they run a test on it and basically they cut out a one inch wide strip and then they bend it and if it doesn't break you're good to go mine didn't break and then they then they'll even x-ray it make sure you don't have a bunch of gas bubbles down the side so you know at 18 years old graduating high school with the certification you know even the most basic one in welding was kind of a big deal well that's pretty cool yeah, you know, So like I said, I was wanting to enlist as a welder. They didn't have any welder slots open in the state of Missouri. So eh, my next choice was being uh equipment mechanic. So I did that. Then uh, that fall, I got engaged. And then with all the ramp up with everything going on with Iraq right. and Saddam Hussein's not letting inspectors search these sites, look for weapons of mass destruction. I go to guard drill and they're like, here, you're going to get fitted for body armor. Mm. So a June 2003 wedding got moved up to March, and it's kind of like, I think I'm going on a trip soon, so let's move the wedding up. Wow! Needless to say, I made a wise decision. The Monday before our wedding day, I woke up to a voicemail from my guard unit saying, hey, call me back. Literally eight days after I get married is when I report for active duty because we're going to be deployed. Oh
0: my goodness. How did your wife take that news? She probably knew this was coming.
1: We We kind of figured it. Nobody wants to deploy because we just bought, literally, we bought a house before we were even married, Mm. which if you ever close on a house for Valentine's Day, you will never beat that Valentine's Day present ever again, and they will hold you to trying to upstage it. I'm just saying.
0: Personal experience. So you ended up going to Iraq. Yeah, went to Iraq, was on
1: active duty for 14 months, spent my first anniversary in Iraq. Oh, boy. And then in 2010, I left the National Guard and went active duty. And here's the thing when your prior service going back into active duty, whether you're National Guard and Reserves, whether you got out and went back in, at this point, your needs of the Army. And I was going in during the middle of the troop surge. So my choices when I showed up at MEPS in St. Louis again was, well, you can be infantry or you can go home. So I went with infantry.
0: Did you end up going back to
1: Iraq then? Oh, no. I went to a much better place in Iraq. I went to Afghanistan. Oh, Oh, no. So three months of infantry school. My first active station was Fort Knox, Kentucky, which you want to talk about beautiful scenery. That part of Kentucky is just absolutely amazing. 45 minutes south of uh, Louisville. One thing I never did, I never went on any of the bourbon
0: trail tours. Oh, man, I got to do this.
1: I actually got to go watch the horse races at uh, Churchill Downs. Very cool. Surprisingly enough, that is one of the most family-friendly gambling establishments you can take <laughs> your kids to. Nice. Okay. We, so we took the kids, and you get there before the heat start. Mm-hmm. And the trainers are out walking the horses along the track. And and they'll they'll see a, a mob of kids up on the rail. And the trainers will bring the horses over and let the kids pet the horses. Wow. And it's absolutely amazing. It's like, I wish we'd gone more than we did. But uh, Louisville has an amazing, uh, they call it Museum Row. They got their History Museum, the Children's Museum, the Louisville Slugger Factory.
0: Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, there's
1: so much to do there. And it was one of those... If we didn't come back to Missouri when I got out of the Army, we would have definitely settled around Louisville. Uh We just absolutely loved the area.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, while you were describing the area there in Kentucky, you mentioned the city of Louisville. And I believe that this is an important thing we need to point out because whenever I hear people pronounce it Louisville or some other variation of the word... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the accurate way to pronounce that city in Kentucky is Louisville. Depends on what part of the city you're from. Really? Are you serious? (laughs) I hear this whole time. I thought that I had it right. You're telling me it depends on where you are in the city? Generally (laughs) Generally speaking, Louisville is
1: the accepted pronunciation. Okay. But there's like five other pronunciations that they consider legit pronunciations. You could say... Louisville, you can say, uh, Louisville, Louisville, just two syllables. Oh, wow, no, it's really weird. But if you're talking about the baseball, bat, I was just it's about to Louisville say, Slugger. I was just—it's a Louisville right. Slugger.
0: You're right. I just thought of that. You're right. Yes. <laughs> like I said I love the area. I would have gladly settled
1: down in there, around there. Um, you're starting to get some of the uh, the upper Midwest meets the South and. Mm-hmm. It's just such a wonderful place. Um, They have a great concert venue in downtown. It's called 4th Street Live. Okay. And literally over the street, they have put a glass ceiling over the entire street from one side to the other. They've blocked off two city blocks to where there is no vehicle traffic. And on Saturday nights, they will do free concerts. And they have the sound system and the lights already permanently installed, and they'll have the bands come in. And you just show up, and the band starts playing. You don't have to buy a ticket or anything.
0: It's mm-hmm. great. Very cool, very cool. Now, you talked about your kids. Uh, your wife's name is Kelly. And mm-hmm. you'll have five kids together, And uh, right? they have our oldest, Adam, who is 20 and has
1: moved on out of the house. All right. My daughter, Alana, she is 17. Mm -hmm. She is a junior in high school. And she's working on trying to graduate high school with being ready to go to culinary college. Oh, nice. Here lately, they've they've been doing fish and seafood. So she sends me pictures while I'm at work of, look, we made poached salmon today. We did scallops. It's just like, you're making me hungry. Stop it. <laughs> our youngest son, uh, Cameron, he is 14. Okay. And he's he's convinced that as soon as he turns 15, he will have his license and be driving. It's like, dude, you still have to have a learner's permit. <laughs> <Just> settle down. <laughs> That's what my son then, was up
0: to as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have guardianship over our nephew, Dylan, who is 12. Okay. I'm horrified. There's so many, so many dates and years I can I, remember. I understand completely. The, the man. youngest too was like, wait, how old are you again? And then our niece April, she is
0: ten. Gotcha. Okay. So our house is a little crowded. It is. It is, and not only with children, but I counted. If I, if I'm not mistaken, you have 13 pets. Literally a zoo, as you described in the email. Six dogs, five cats, an Amazon parrot, and a green winged macaw. And and I love when you uh, when you get on Twitter and you um, show us uh, life with a bird.
1: Oh uh, yes. There is
0: Chris. He
1: is our golden doodle. My son Cameron he has autism and so 8 years ago we we're like okay, we're going to get a therapy dog to help him and it'll be great for him. Came here and we got Chris and we started I'm going to train him up to be a to be a therapy dog. He was the worst candidate for therapy <laughs> dog you've ever met. Okay. It's not that he's dumb, he's just willful. And he just cannot get him to listen for more than five minutes. Like, yeah, well, now we've got just a big puffball who loves everybody. <laughs> and if you're minding your own business and you're not paying attention, he will come up and he will shove his head under your arm, like, love me. <laughs> then we have Savannah. That is my wife's little three pound long haired chihuahua. She's the enforcer of the house. If there's a rule to be enforced amongst the dogs, she's the one to do it. Whatever you do, do not stick your face under her bed because that's her space under that bed. She will defend it against the cats. The other dogs are trying to find a, a Chewy or a toy that, you know, fell under the bed. You just hear, <laughs> and they back out really quick. Then we have a Duchess. She is my pit bull bird dog mix that we... Guys, a rescue while we were at Fort hood. You talk about being a person's dog. She will cuddle with anybody, but the minute I go to bed, she is in the bed with me and under the covers.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just her person. Yeah. She's also the neighborhood watch dog every morning. When the kids go to school, she goes out the doggy door over the fence, walks them, to the bus stop, watches them get on the bus, watches the bus leave. Then she does her patrol through the neighborhood and then comes back in. That's just what she does.
0: I love that. I love that. I mean, <laughs> it's just dogs. We don't deserve them, man.
1: Then we have another puffball, uh, Riker. He's a Pomeranian. He's a yappy thing, but yeah, <laughs> he's super sweet. And he's a rare Pomeranian. And the fact that uh, he's a Merle, that's a color combination they we don't see a lot of. Okay. Then we have my wife's big baby, Copper. She's an English Mastiff. And she also must be in bed with her mama every night. <laughs> so now you have two adults, a pit bull mix, and an English Mastiff sharing a king-size bed.
0: Mmm, boy.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. It, it's it's a little crowded. Yeah. And then we just recently got Delia. She is an eight-month-old Great Dane. Mm-hmm. She weighs 95 pounds, and she's expected to grow for at least another year.
0: Oh, no, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well.
1: Got the cats. Uh, my daughter has her cat, who essentially lives in her room. We have the twins, and chase each other around the house. Just, if I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll feel something grabbing the back of my leg, like almost to my butt. Just, just turn
0: around. Oh, hi, cat. Mm-hmm. It's just. I just want want to say hi. How's it going? Do you ever get a full night's sleep in that house, considering you have all of the kids, all of the dogs, all of the cats, and the two birds? You have to sleep with earplugs, right? Ten thirty hits, and I'm just like my body just shuts down, and it's I'm out. Mm.
1: I envy you. Tell us about the birds. Where where did you get the birds? Henry, we got him. He's our little uh, double yellow-headed Amazon. Uh He is essentially my, quote-unquote, retirement present when I got out of the Army. Because we'd had a parrot years before, and then when I went active duty, we gave that one to my wife's aunt. Mm. My wife's uncle had passed away, and it's like, you know what? We can't be moving with the bird, and this will be really good for her. My wife's aunt still has the parrot. Oh wow! Has scrambled eggs with it every morning. They sit and talk back and forth, and it's, it's, it was really great for both of them. And my wife's like, if "We're gonna have a bird for forty, fifty years. We're not gonna call it something dumb like, you know, freckles or something." <laughs> freckles. So he's an absolute hoot. Uh, he he likes to get out and
0: fly laps around the house. You know, he'll talk, he'll sing. Yeah, but do the dogs he, and the cats leave him alone, leave the birds alone? Or how, how is that dynamic?
1: The cats with Henry, we have to kind of watch because he's a relatively small parrot. Uh-huh. And then the dogs tend to, you know, if he's flying, we kind of have to keep an eye on them because natural instinct is to try to grab something out of the air. And I'll, I'll be cooking dinner and I just hear the sound of flapping wings. All I have to do is I lean my head to one side because I know where he's going. He's heading right for my shoulder.
0: (laughs) Is it the same shoulder every time or does he, does he go back? Oh yeah. Every time
1: it'll always be the left shoulder. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Okay. Well, and then
1: Wrigley, he's a rescue. I actually drove five hours one way to Illinois to get him. There's an older couple. They couldn't take care of him anymore. Didn't have the room for him. You want to talk about putting the cats in place. If he's out on top of the cages minding his own bird business, and one of the cats jumps up there, he will literally chase it off. (laughs) He has no fear of dogs. And if they get too close to the cage and he's out, he will climb down the side of the cage, and he will reach out and try to grab a tail. Oh, wow. Wow. Something you get a lot of when people are, uh, oh, you have parrots. Does he ask for crackers? (laughs) Yes. Wrigley does ask for crackers. Uh, He He does? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, awesome. he'll he'll get in a good mood, and he'll just be like, "Want cracker? Want cracker?" Then we hand him the cracker, and mmm, want some? Burp. He he That's burps awesome. at us. That's it's awesome. A, it's like it's like they the, the people we got you from did not teach you manners. Tell him how to
0: belch, and he will do it. <laughs> so you mentioned cooking there as you were discussing the birds and the pets. How did you pick up that uh, hobby, and uh, what's your best dish?
1: Being a latchkey kid growing up, right. you know, mo- both my parents working, and sometimes you know, till 6, 7 at night, or my mom worked in a restaurant, and sometimes she'd have to close. So you kind of learn to cook for yourself. My And my dad, mom and dad used to teach me. They'd let me help in the kitchen growing up. So that's kind of how I picked it up, and I still love to cook. I'm trying to develop a nice collection of cast iron cookware. Mm. I'm not going to say if it's my best dish, but one of my favorites is chicken tikka masala. Okay. Makes the house smell like an Indian restaurant.
0: <laughs> oh Wow. Do all 13 animals congregate in the kitchen while you're cooking?
1: No. <laughs> For the most part, they go lay down, and once we start feeding people, then it's like, okay, we have to distract them. All right, start feeding the critters. <laughs> so we try to feed them the same time we're eating that way, they're not trying to be in everyone's faces like, Ooh, food it's life. And we love it. We we don't mind all the, the craziness of the pets, just wanting to be there while you're trying to enjoy your food. And a lot of times we cook and we have dinner with our next door neighbor. He's 80 years old. His wife passed away three years ago. And you want to talk about the best neighbors in the world. When we moved in because the house we bought, we were renting it at first. Mm-hmm. The day we moved in, our landlord said, oh, you have to go meet Pops and Graham. And he took us over and introduced us to the neighbors. And they're like, oh, you just got out of the army? He's like, and Graham she just looks at us and goes, when will your household goods be here? Because they're retired army. They know how these go. And it's like, I I don't know. It could be a few weeks. She's like, come with me. And she pulls out a full silverware set. Puts on the counter, said, "All right, there's all the pots and pans. Grab what you need. Here's spatulas and this and and she gave us stuff to cook with until our household goods finally got here. So we have been best friends with them ever since. Like I said, she passed away a few years ago, mm. and so we cook for him almost every night when he doesn't have bingo or going <laughs> going to play pool with American Legion. Uh-huh. So it's just it's just become part of our thing and. You know, it's just great just to be able to take care of him.
0: I got to ask you about this. The last book you read, eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King. I'm familiar with the show on Hulu. I It's one of my favorite uh, shows ever. It was eight episodes, so you're not committing to this long-term situation. And I noticed in the credits, J.J. J. Abrams, which I was not surprised because it was so well done. And then I saw Stephen King's name attached to it as well. I didn't realize that this show started off, correct me if I'm wrong, as a book by Stephen King. 11 63 for those who aren't familiar, um, I'll just give you the, the rough outline of it. You gotta go see it. Like I said, eight episodes on Hulu. A guy goes back in time to try to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and it was a book first, huh? Yes. Everything I do almost all time now is
1: audiobook, so... Right. I listened to like a 33 hour audiobook of 1122 63. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the show. I, I, I'm, I'm sure if I watch it, I'm going to do like every other time I've read a book and then watched a the movie. I'm like, it didn't go like that.
0: <laughs> well, it didn't go like that. It didn't happen that way. I can't speak for the book, but I can tell you that the show on Hulu is definitely worth the eight episode commitment. So check it out if you get a chance. Okay. So I'm familiar with your Twitter account, but you also list among your favorite apps TikTok. So wait, you don't strike me as a TikTok guy. What am I missing over there? Say so, okay, I know there's a lot of trash on TikTok. You know the only else they have on TikTok, animal videos.
1: That's a, initially why I started doing TikTok. I just want to watch the animal videos. <laughs> I can I can understand that. Somehow I stumbled across a guy who does Dungeons and Dragons okay. content. And his stuff is just absolutely funny. Then I discovered what they call mill talk or vet talk, which is military community and veteran community. There's a lot of fun stuff that if you're looking for it, that you can watch where it's not gross wokeness. It's not just people doing dumb stunts. Yeah. You, you see all these challenges, like the you know, Tide Pod challenge and all the <laughs> stuff that just goes everywhere on TikTok. It, you can you can avoid that. Okay. My daughter, she likes deep
0: cleaning TikTok. Oh God. So there's something yeah. for everybody, huh?
1: <laughs> there, there is something for everyone, and you know if, and I I love doing videos with the birds, and I'll put oh, them yeah. up on TikTok. Okay, you can also do react videos where someone will do something to intentionally do have someone do a duet with them, uh-huh. where you have their original video and then you record new content that goes side by side with it, and, and doing stuff like that and uh, stitches where you react to videos. You know you can. Really kind of really move things along and Mm -hmm. you can develop relationships on TikTok, just like you do with anything on Twitter, Mm -hmm. Facebook, anything like that. Okay,
0: That's good. You need some of that in your life. Okay. If you could keep five possessions, you would keep your rifle, your Bible, your dog, your cast iron skillet, and your Jeep. However, if you had a sixth and it had to be either Twitter or TikTok, which would you choose? Tyler Morgan. Okay. Twitter it is. Okay. Very good. Very good. (laughs) Um, what's the most scared that you've been in your life? You list on the email anything involving your kids, uh any Ooh, specific yeah. uh things that come to mind here?
1: Go back a few years, uh my son, he got in a car accident.
0: Oh, that's the worst. And he
1: was on man. he oh yeah, he he was on his way to work. He called like, why is Adam calling me? And I answer the phone and he's just crying, Dad, I was in a wreck. It's like where are you at? And he kind of gives me a brief description I didn't even have shoes on. I was in the Jeep running 80 miles an hour down a two-lane road trying to get to him. Yeah. Another one, probably when my daughter was three, she started getting these bruises. Had no idea what was causing them. Mm. And immediately scares you to death that you take her to the doctor. They do a they do a platelet count. They should be like 30,000. She was at like 10,000. Oh, my gosh. They immediately take a blood sample. Mm-hmm. send the results to Children's Hospital in Columbia, you're just like, oh, my God, does our little girl have cancer? And you're just on your knees just praying. Sure. Fortunately, it was not cancer. I'm not even going to attempt the big, long medical word. It's ITP. Okay. It's basically antibodies start tagging your platelets. And then as your blood flows through your spleen, your spleen starts grabbing of the platelets that have the antibodies on them and filtering them out. So then you don't you don't clot, you bruise, and it can be it can be lethal mm. and so there's one of those okay, we're going to just hit her with a ton of steroids, and hopefully this works that way you uh, know it'll stop her immune response that way she can build her platelets back up, but if it doesn't work, then we'll have to go and take her spleen out, mm. which fortunately, the antibiotics work, but just. You know, even when we took her up there for the, you know, confirmation testing, it just, you know, they had to put a, had to put an IV into her that way they could, you know, do a blood draw with the, with the IV already in her. And mm-hmm. I've been shot at in combat. All that did was piss me off and <laughs> never scared me. I never got scared in Afghanistan and it's not being flippant or anything. It's just things happen. Especially like if you're heading back to the base at the end of a mission, and then you hear it from behind you, pop, 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 pop. Like, ah, really? I was going to go take a shower and a nap. <laughs> you just ruined my day.
0: Um, okay, so your favorite comfort food is barbecue. I want to know what your favorite kind of barbecue sauce is. Oof. I'm a dry barbecue guy. I'm not a fan of sauces. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. So the biggest turning point in your life was becoming a parent. I can completely understand that. It's a life changer. Have you slept a full night's sleep uh, since you became a parent?
1: Our parenthood story doesn't follow the regular track that most people do. Okay. We we were never able to have kids. Huh. So we became foster parents.
0: Oh, okay. So, and, we,
1: and we went from no kids to three kids in six months. Oh, wow. Our oldest two, they are brother and sister, you know, actually by birth. And we got placed with them. Uh, we met them literally for the first time on Alana's second birthday. Mm. We drove down to, uh, to the foster office in Springfield where their caseworker was working out of. And that's where we met them for the first time. And, Two days later, we were meeting him in Marshfield, Missouri, about halfway between where we lived in Springfield, you know, and we were getting them and all their stuff and taking home. Then six months later, Cameron, our youngest, we got a call from another uh, contractor that the state uses to handle uh, foster cases. They had a five day old baby. Who needed a home, and everybody they called up until that point did not have room for a
0: baby and so god's hand in our life absolutely absolutely now you list your dad as the person who has had the biggest impact on your life. Why did you choose him? just
1: the practical experience that he has shared with me uh, a lot of the a lot of the skills that I have I've got from him every leadership tool that I use in the army is stuff that I learned watching him growing up. No dad is the perfect parent and my dad is far from it, but all those life lessons that he has given me and the love that's always been there makes me the dad that I want to be made me the leader. I wanted to be in the army. Hmm. It's just, I remember the first time I ever had to get stitches. you you think a boy wants his mom, when something like that happens. sure. I was at church. It was a Wednesday night. We are all kind of roughhousing. One kid had his hat taken. We were chasing after the other kid with the hat. And one of the bigger kids ran up behind me, bumped me to the side, and face first into a brick wall. Oh, no. Split my eyebrow open. They take me to the emergency room. My parents get there. And I ran my mom out of the actual room <laughs> because I wanted my
0: dad. Oh, wow. Now, if you could go back in history... You'd like to meet George Washington. Why, why does he stand out particularly for you? He was
1: a warrior philosopher. And, you know, truly one of America's greatest founders. Just, you know, here's a guy. He has the
0: ability to be a king, and he's, no, nope, uh, I'm going back to Virginia. Isn't that something? Uh, how many people, certainly not in the modern world, could you think of that would reject that?
1: No, um... The trials that he had, I mean, he had a number of failures as a young officer that made him into the general that he became with the Continental Army. I would just love to be able to pick his brain on leadership, on
0: God, on so much. You've met a lot of celebrities. Which one experience stands out above the others? Getting to have lunch with... Then Secretary of the Army, Eric Fanning. Oh, wow. Okay. 2016
1: in Afghanistan, Secretary Fanning, he, he hadn't, I don't think he had been, uh, I don't think he had been confirmed for very long, but he's, he was out doing a battlefield rotation and trying to talk to actual troops on the ground, not just the brass and the senior leadership. And so where we were at in Afghanistan, we were at the airport in Kabul We were actually providing security for uh, SOCOM. They had a mission teaching the Afghan Air Force to fly helicopters and airplanes. So we were providing their security, and me and five or six other soldiers in the platoon were picked to have lunch with them. And everyone was making big deals like, do you know why Secretary Fanning is so important? Uh no, he's the first openly gay secretary in the army. I was like, okay, who cares? (laughs) Can he do his job? I was able to have lunch with him, and he, you know, asking us the way, you know, our opinions on everything that was, you know, going on with the mission we were on, and what are our opinions about the way the army is going and stuff like that. And it was great to be able to talk to someone, you know, in that level of leadership and have a frank conversation and know that, yeah, I'm just little lowly Buck Sergeant, you know, in the private next to me are saying stuff to the Secretary of the Army that's getting filtered out when it goes all the way up through chains of command and comes through uh, the Chief of Staff. And being able to have that direct conversation and other people I've gotten to meet, um, if anyone knows the movie Tombstone, Buck Taylor is the actor who played uh, Creek Johnson, who was one of the guys who ended up riding with Wyatt Earp as they're hunting the cowboys. He was at an event uh down here that I participate in every year. And I gotta sit and pick pick his brain. Uh, he's a Navy veteran. He's worked forever in Hollywood. Hmm. I mean, he's been he worked as a stuntman, man and then he then he started getting into more acting. Yeah, uh, he's got credits with uh the Twilight Zone, you know, the the original Rod Serling series. Oh wow, nice. Uh he he's played two roles on Gunsmoke, he was a bad guy who got killed, but the producers of the show liked him so much that they called him back to have a recurring role as a good guy. Kent Rollins, he's a YouTube uh, YouTube cook who does uh, chuck wagon cooking. Oh wow, that sounds like fun! Comes up to wagons for warriors that every year and. Just an amazing cook, just an absolute nice, sweet guy. He's someone I would love to get on my podcast, just to be able to talk to him about what he does with you know the Red River Ranch and what he does you know to help raise money for veterans. Mm-hmm. And then I got to meet Al Franken. It was a USO show in Iraq, and you know, this kind guy of shook his hand, and
0: you know that's all I can really say about that one. But <laughs> he seemed nice enough at the time. That's cool. That's good. That's good. <laughs> now you mentioned barbecue earlier. One day on your bucket list, you'd like to. Open up uh, your own barbecue restaurant, huh? That sounds like fun. Yes. Um, I would absolutely love to. And
1: if I can just get enough bills paid down to where, you know, or my, get my uh, VA disability from that last 20% to being 100% mm-hmm. and get everything paid down to where I could go buy a food trailer with the smoker on it and set up and sell barbecue, I would love to do that because I love cooking for other people. Nice. I said earlier I love cooking for my neighbor next door. Right. Um, If if I go over with a big bowl of jambalaya or chicken and dumplings and just watch his face light up because those are some of his favorite meals, that's it. That's just seeing the look on their face when they get something they love. I just want to do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very awesome. All right, well, Tyler, I appreciate you making time today. Anything we missed there? Anything we need to cover? Really? they think that about wraps it up. Cool, man. All right, well, I appreciate you making time on here. We'll look for you. uh, The Tyler Morgan Show there. Did I get that right? I just, I dropped my piece of paper on the floor. Hold on. Yeah, the Tyler Morgan show. Yeah, okay, okay. (laughs) My gosh, okay. Just making sure, uh, because I wanted to say experience for some reason. All right, so anyhow, (laughs) we'll be looking for you there on the Tyler Morgan show. Thanks so much for making time, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It was great getting to talk with Tyler today. Don't forget to head over to his website, RelentlessDaring.com, to find out all of the stuff that he does over there. Now, if you get a chance to subscribe to this podcast over at youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith, I would be so grateful. And there's more than just these episodes there. There's some other stuff that that we do uh, in addition to the show, some fun conversations um, with Hillary Kennedy over there. And I hope that you will check that out youtube.com slash at the mic with keith uh, would be so grateful the show is also available when you head to at and if you're able to rate and review it give it five stars please over at apple itunes and spotify uh, i would be so grateful for that as well because it does help more people find the show that might need some good conversation in their life and who doesn't right now in this very crazy world of ours Hey, next week, I'm going to sit down with my friend, Abby Libby. Uh, Sounds like a made-up name, I realize, Abby Libby, but no, that's her real name. (laughs) She's my guest next week, and I look forward to introducing you to her. Uh, In the meantime, I hope you'll catch up on the over 100 episodes uh, you maybe you've missed over the years. Uh, So many great conversations that I hope you'll take the time to check out and, of course, share them, please, if you would. Well, until next time, I hope you'll go be free. Thank you for listening. This has
1: been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to themicshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.